0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Mostly What God Does, Reflections on Seeking and Finding His Love Everywhere. Written and narrated by number one New York Times best-selling author and broadcast journalist Savannah Guthrie. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. And now, Christ in Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Erin Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, and welcome to Persuasion a podcast where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company join to discuss all kinds of ideas and issues. I'm Hannah Anderson, co-host of Persuasion with Aaron Straza, but today we're not going to discuss anything, and Aaron isn't even here. Instead, we want to invite you to take a brief break from our Finding Common Ground series with us and enjoy an excerpt from my new book from Moody Publishers, Turning of Days, Lessons from Nature, Season, and Spirit. Here where I live in Southwest Virginia, spring is finally coming. But as you may know, spring is not something that you can trust until it's fully and completely here. And one of the first signs of spring are the buds on fruit trees. Buds that bring hope, but buds that could also shatter your hopes if the season does not come as expected. So today in this brief space I invite you to listen in to Spring essay number 4 Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life Proverbs 13:12 Nothing can make a gardener so nervous as an early bloom This is how it happens In late winter, the days lengthen and the temperatures rise. You see the crocuses first, and that's fine because you know that this hardy bulb can survive almost anything. You've seen it covered in snow and ice radiant. The daffodils push through net, and even though it's only February, you don't panic because it happens like this sometimes. You'll notice stray forsythia starting to bud and maybe even bloom. But for Scythia, are overachievers, and you've seen stray buds since December. So ready are they to show their color. But then, you see silver tips begin to form on the peach tree, and your heart stops. It's much too early. Maybe it was that warm spell a few weeks ago, or maybe the climate is changing like they say. You don't know, because who can? But what you do know is that it's far too early for peach trees to bud. So you watch the trees with a weary eye, while other people watch them with delight. To them, early buds are a sign of good things to come, of winter's demise and a spring's ascendancy. To them, these buds mean life and fruitfulness, festivals and celebrations. They're caught in the heady romance of it all, but they've never had their heart broken by a peach blossom encased in ice. They've never seen an Alberta clipper descend like a wolf on the fold and the angel of death spread its wings on the blast. Let them have their joy. You've got your anxiety because you know. You know that buds do not mean blooms any more than blooms mean fruit any more than fruit means harvest. Instead, like anyone with your experience, you pace yourself, curb your enthusiasm, and keep desire in check. The weather holds and over the next few weeks, the silver tip becomes green and grows to a half-inch green and then a tight cluster. A few days later, you see the first signs of pink. You watch as the sepals loosen and delicate petals open, gradually revealing stamen and pistil. Soon the branches are swathed and hundreds of thousands of delicate white blossoms promising abundance. You hear the bees at work collecting nectar and carrying pollen from tree to tree. Butterflies and birds, too. You sneeze when you walk underneath the branches, your nostrils filled with the fecundity of life. You can't help but see them, and you can't help but smell them. You even find yourself smiling as you turn the corner and drive toward home. So pretty are the peach trees lined up in a row, and for a moment you wonder if it's possible. Maybe these early blooms are a gift and not a temptation. But then you remember that you live in hardiness zone 7A as determined by the United States Department of Agriculture. And you remember that the last frost date isn't until mid-April. You remember the cold hard fact that it snowed last May. So while you watch the blossoms, you also watch for cold fronts and unexpected dips and winds from the north. It all depends on the thermometer hung near the window with the white curtains. It might be fine if you were just a few degrees further south, but you're not, and you know danger lurks even after the petals begin to naturally drop off and the ovule begin to swell. And then, one night, it comes, just as you knew it would. The mercury drops, the wind blows, the warnings scroll across the screen You gather up the odd blankets and bits of plastic and do what you can because you know what will happen if you don't. How does one live in this place between longing and fulfillment? How do you dare to hope when the world is so harsh and cares nothing for your good work? How can you sustain hope in the face of it all? How can you not be chilled until your heart slowly freezes over? I wonder for myself because it's not just buds and blooms. It's the ache of children and our dreams for them. It's the burden of communities and our work invested in them. It's the longing for righteousness and praise to flower in all nations and the obvious fact that they don't. And if I'm honest, it's far too easy to become a cynic in the name of realism. Too easy to give up hope because this is the way it is and what will be will be, and the sooner you make peace with reality, the better. But then I think, if we were actually realist, we'd acknowledge that sometimes our justified fears don't materialize. If we were actually realist, we'd know that some years the blooms come and the killing frosts don't. We'd know that some nights you go to sleep in the certain knowledge that all is lost Only to awaken to trees that make it safely through. And we'd have to confess that some days, hope brings forth fruit as a tree of life, and the harvest is plentiful. It's not lost on me that the book of Genesis opens with a vision of a tree of life, and the book of Revelation closes with one, and that all of redemption is book ended by desperate hope. That even when cold death comes closing in, hope calls us to trust a God who is stronger still. This is the difference, I think, between a wary eye and a closed one. One that watches with caution and one that refuses to watch at all. This is the difference, I think, between hope that is deferred and hope that is lost. Because in the end, a heart that longs for fruitfulness is also a heart that will work for it, a heart that hopes for goodness, will plant and prune and wait and pray. Such a heart is not blind to the realities of life. It just knows no other way to live. And so understanding the stakes, such a heart stakes a claim anyway. Such a heart hopes in God. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Persuasion and Interlude. We'll be back soon with the rest of the Finding Common Good series and all our discussions about ideas and issues. Until then, you can join us online at Twitter at PersuasionCAPC, or if you're a member of the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum, you can join us there for conversation on other ideas and issues we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com/network. Theme music by Maiden Name.